This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealu, Mike Jarecki, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. From one day to one full week, the NFL has done it again talking about the release of the 2022 regular season schedule thursday we get the bulk of the schedule but gentlemen we kind of know some certain games the cardinals will be in mexico city playing the san francisco 49ers it was announced earlier this morning that we've got the denver broncos and los angeles rams on christmas day and i for one mj i'm perfectly fine with this slow play up slow build if you will to the big day on thursday well we know that when it comes to the uh, the networks and they all want a piece of the pie and obviously the nfl uh, and their tv contracts a new tv contract kicks in next year so that means more money for the salary cap more money for the players and this is what it's about now amazon's jumping in this and you know normally we watch thursday night football on either the nfl network or fox and that's not going to happen now. Now, if it's a local game in your market, you will get it. So Amazon's in the picture, and there's just so much competition out there now. Speaking of competition, we don't know how much longer we'll have Drew Stanton here on right. the Cardinals Red Sea Report, presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Are you based. saying he's going to be Tom Brady's new spotter? I'm just <laughs> saying that based off the amount of money that is being thrown around to former players, former quarterbacks with the NFL networks and companies that – pay to broadcast these games you know drew stanton might be in high demand just don't forget us on your way to the top that's all not at all not at all i uh my resume looks uh, <laughs> far different than tom brady's and i like this this gig is perfect for what i need all right well, well we're, we're happy that you are here we'll get more into the schedule a little bit later on also the cardinals making news as far as promotions on cliff kingsbury's staff and additions as well but certainly the news that certainly has dominated most recently and drew we haven't had to get a chance to get uh, your take on this but the fact that the high of the three-day NFL draft weekend for the Cardinals, the addition of Marquise Brown, and then all of a sudden, Monday, you wake up, and then all of a sudden, you realize, oh no, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be out the first six games of the regular season. What happens now for this offense? Now, six games is a lot. It's almost a third of the season, but this team certainly has experience playing without DeAndre Hopkins, and that might be a little troublesome a lot troublesome considering how they performed without him towards the end of last season yeah you know i I think that there's cause for concern uh for the fan base no doubt uh because we saw what transpired at the end of last year but that being said this is a completely different team 
there's different pieces of the puzzle. There would be so much more buildup with a complete offseason. You add Hollywood Brown to the mix, you get a full offseason with some of these other guys here. You get more continuity. And, uh, you know, th- there's all, always a feeling out process anyways for an offense in the beginning portion of the season. Uh, so maybe it'll be a good shot in the arm. You can, you can spin it whichever way you want it, but when he's not on the field, this team isn't as successful. That's that's the fact of the matter, and it's unfortunate because he is such a good wide receiver. He is a difference maker, and you know these type of things they unfortunately happen. They're they're not really uh, reversible once it comes out because of, of the severity of it, and they're trying to set a precedent. And you know, seeing his comments and understanding that. Uh, you know, at this point, what's done is done, and you try and pick up the pieces and move forward. True. Is there a silver lining that it happened now versus you know wake up in September and he's out you know for six weeks? They have plenty of time to plan for this. And so, how does Hollywood Brown fit in this offense? Is he replacing Christian Kirk? Is that Rondell Moore? How would you line up Hollywood Brown? Because we know in this offense, usually your your X receiver is your target. So how do you see this playing out besides maybe more 12 personnel for the first six weeks of the season? Well, you know, I think they're still putting the pieces of the puzzle together anyways. They're still shaping and molding this offense, what it's going to look like. It, And the, the truth of the matter is they probably knew this was coming down the chamber anyways with DeAndre. It's just we all gained access to it later on. That's typically how it goes in the NFL is you, you find out about these suspensions or they try to do stuff and uh, be able to downgrade it. But, you know, it, it is what it is. I think the addition of Hollywood Brown, he can be a lot of different things for you based off of what you you want um, the comfort level of where they want to take this offense and also you know with Kyler being in control what he's most comfortable with the input he's going to have as they progress um, within that and they have a rep uh, a rapport already from their time together at Oklahoma he can do a lot of things uh I don't think the NFL understands his skill set because of where he came from, right? He was a guy in a run-first offense that was looking to do that, and no uh, disrespect to Lamar Jackson and what he does, but this is going to look vastly different from the guy that was the first-round pick for the Baltimore Ravens. Coming off his first 1,000-yard receiving season, talking about Marquise Brown going into his fourth season, each of his first three years he has improved his personal totals, and those numbers certainly should go up with Kyler Murray at the quarterback spot. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury and how he sees Marquise Brown fitting into the offense. The more playmakers we can have, the better dynamic guy who can take the top off inside, outside. And, you know, I think he's just scratching the surface. Uh, we really feel like he fits what we do, played in a similar scheme in, in college there at OU with Lincoln. And uh, so it should be a, uh, a quick learning curve as well. Question, though, for Brown is what happens in those first six games? We've heard that he can be a number one. He can play outside. He can play inside. Do you move him around as planned, or because D-Hop is not around, does he become that X-wide receiver, and then when Hopkins returns, then you can kind of play around with Marquise Brown and your other pieces? Well, I think they can go hand-in-hand, right? You can move him around depending on what his comfort level is. You don't want to overwhelm him. You don't want to put too much on his plate. But having been in this offense like he was at Oklahoma with Cliff, um, with Lincoln, you have the ability to have a guy that's already got a jump start on it. You marry that up with DeAndre Hopkins, who's been in this system now for as long as he has, and maybe you start seeing D-Hop in different positions so guys can't isolate. You get D-Hop in the slot. You be able to move guys around and do a lot of different things. And when you start doing that, you start getting a beat on coverages. When you be able, you win um, through the alignment of guys through formation – 
it's all information gathering for the quarterback. So when you can do that, when they're going to match up maybe Jalen Ramsey nonstop on the inside against DeAndre Hopkins, okay, so where does that put this guy or that guy or a tight end or any of this? So it just allows for more moves on the chessboard at that point. Marquise Brown certainly coming in, a big smile on his face. We'll get a chance to see him more as the offseason progresses and obviously in training camp. But Brown, when he was introduced, formally introduced to the local media, asked what he expects out of himself and also what the fans can expect from him. Uh, it's been a lot of big plays. I mean, I play with a lot of passion, uh, a lot of excitement. I haven't even showcased anything I really could do in the NFL yet. Whatever the team asked me to do, I'm going to do. And that's what I did in Baltimore. And, you know, I'm very excited of the potential that I can I can do in this offense. I like the versatility, MJ. And then you add to what you mentioned earlier here as far as the time between now and week one when the regular season begins. Also the fact that Zach Ertz with a full off season, It does certainly concern a lot of fans, and I'll raise my hand as well, as far as what this offense looked without DeAndre Hopkins last season. All right. How do you account for that? And you've got time to figure it out because you can't stumble out of the gate. Those six games, whomever they're against, are certainly important games. Maybe not as important as games in December and January, but you want to get off to a good start. Well, they're 8-2, and two, scoring 30 points a game, putting up over 350 yards. So you're not going to replace him, but there's other ways you can do it. You can call a team that's going to run the football utilize 12 personnel, go 11 personnel, and defensively, um, they're going to have to carry their water in the first, you know, six weeks where they could force turnover. So it's more of a team aspect. But, again, you're not going to replace him, but there's ways that you can counter. And I think the addition of Hollywood Brown and Trey McBride will definitely add to this offense. And you look at, um, you know, Contant. um, Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram. I think they got a good one-two punch there between him and James Conner. So you can you can shorten the game a little bit by just running the football, taking a little pressure off, off Kyler Murray. It doesn't look good, Drew. No DeAndre Hopkins. You lose Christian Kirk. Those are two huge pieces as far as skilled position players. But you do have Zach Ertz. Maybe you have Max Williams. You do have Marquise Brown. And then all of a sudden, Rondell Moore, we keep hearing about him more involved in this offense so you do have enough pieces just to maybe get through this six game stretch and then maybe things start rolling and this team does get off to a good start but you don't want to get too far behind is what i'm worried about well i think of the playmakers right you give these guys opportunities to make plays guys didn't step up last year that's the fact of the matter this year it's a different mindset for the rondell moores of the world aj green's been in the system he can do all these things you add marquise brown to the list like the potential is there i understand the reason to be pessimistic but if you look at what this team is going to do knowing they're going into that now is vastly different than last year when it kind of got thrust upon them I mean, the biggest jump that some of these guys can make, especially with an offseason, is that first to second year because they know what to do. They know what it takes to be a pro. They've been around other guys. They know where they're living. They, they know where their facility is. They know their offseason regimen. All of these things. They know what training camp's like. They know it's a grind. They know when to get off their feet. They know when to be able to do all these things. So especially somebody like Rondem where you hear the way he talks, the way he carries himself, I am very optimistic that he'll be able to fill that void. And then it just adds to the playmakers. It adds to the the playbook and the offense of what we can do when DeAndre comes back because we know the volume that he can handle 
and when he was in, what it meant to everybody else around him, to the nucleus, because when you're dictating coverage, when you're doing that, and Kyler did such a good job of, okay, now I have my one-on-one, and it's the fourth quarter, I can take a shot to DeAndre, and he can make a play. You know, they were clouding him. They were doing a lot of stuff to negate that, and unless you stop them and show them that you can go to a plan B, C, D, anything like that, they're going to continue to just try and keep everything at bay, which, you know, even though DeAndre is on the field, he wasn't having by any means a career year because he garners that much attention. So in the meantime, let's get everybody else rolling and doing everything they can. Like you said, Trey McBride, I think was a great addition to be able to get him there. The value of mixing that whole room up and how they go hand in hand. Playmakers can look many different ways and they can, you can go out there and win football games many different ways. So you're going to have to manufacture that a little bit. More pressure on the head coach or more pressure on the quarterback. Cliff and Kyler are joined at the hip. Is it up to Cliff to kind of figure things out, write it on the chalkboard, and then give it to the offense? Or is it up to Kyler to take that vision and then execute on the football field? Oh, I'm going to go right in the middle of the road for you. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, I think it's more on Cliff, uh, if we're being completely honest, because Cliff's got to find a way to get everybody in. He's got to find a way to make Kyler comfortable within what is being presented to them. So Kyler is going to have to communicate that to Cliff, but at the same time, Cliff's got to figure out, okay, this is the skill set that we have here at this position in this room. This is the skill set, and you don't want to overload some of these guys. Some of these younger guys, you still want to spoon-feed them a little bit because you don't want to all of a sudden have everything go haywire, and that's paralysis by analysis. It is going to be fascinating, and perhaps time is what this team needs at the moment because, MJ, we saw how this team started last year after a long offseason. You get off to that great start, and you're rolling, putting up points, putting up yards, and getting off to that undefeated start. Yeah, but you got to finish strong. you gotta, you got to be playing your best football, and a lot of it has to do with health. This team's got to stay healthy at the most important positions, the quarterback position, the offensive line, and hopefully a guy like J.J. Watt can play 15 to 17 games. We talk about new pieces in addition to Marquise Brown. What about those new draft picks? We talked about tight end Trey McBride. What about some of those other offensive pieces and then some additions on defense? We will get a first look at those eight draft picks coming up later this week with rookie minicamp. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Greg Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki here every Tuesday, 11 a.m. right here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. It'll be Jesse Lucchetta as a linebacker. Hello? Jesse. How you doing? Steve Kime, GM of the Cardinals. How you doing? I'm doing great. We're getting ready to make you a uh, Cardinal, my man. Jesse. Hello? Surprise, surprise. I'm good. How you doing? And then ever since Kyler been here, you know, I've watched every game that I possibly could, you know. So I've been keeping up. You got drafted to football paradise. You did it, girl. We love the way you play. Congratulations, man. Trust the board and go like it's stacked. This this is one of the few times I've absolutely had. Like, I love both of these guys. I'll be shocked if he gets to 55, though. Oh, God, he's getting a phone call. Hello? Trey. Get ready to play. There ain't no red shirt now, right? I'm just so thrilled to come to Arizona and be a Cardinal. Taking you behind the scenes as only flight plan can. 
Season 5, Episode 3, available on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com slash azcardinals. It is titled Cardinal Gray, looking back at the NFL draft and the addition of Marquise Brown. It premiered on Monday nights, and that initial part of the trailer, MJ, was the phone call to Jesse Lucchetta, who was, I think, at a restaurant or somewhere, and it almost became like the old-school Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Because it got so loud, and Kaim on the other end is laughing, trying to get the connection, but that is what those phone calls mean, the joy not only for the player on the other end, but everyone around, the family, the friends, and everyone was captured, all eight draft picks, parts of the the flight plan episode. What's fascinating is every uh, you know draftee, the, the teams have their phone numbers, and so you got to figure out the area code and show the Arizona Cardinals, and then Kimes on the phone, hey, you know we're going to pick you, and then all of a sudden you could just see that the, you know people people around them are wanting to know who's on the phone with them. So um, if you're not fired up watching the flight plan, um, it's it's great behind the scenes. Uh, we work here and we don't see any of that stuff, and. Just how excited these draft picks are, how it's game changers for their families, you know, growing up. So I thought it's well done and I always want more. And it was like, what, 29 minutes, 28 minutes? I believe that was about about right, a little over 28 minutes. Drew, do you remember your draft day phone call? I do, yeah. I mean, it, just the excitement, right? And it, it captures that within all of it. Just hearing the tease, uh, you know, it brings you back to that because it, it's – uh, irreplaceable for getting that phone call um, when you're sitting there and you're on pins and needles and to be able to share in that moment with a lot of people around you uh, is great because you go through so much to get to that point and you could go to many different situations or many different teams and so uh, you know it's great and now we're getting ready and ramped up for rookie mini camp and getting thrown into the fire for you who was more excited you or the people around you <sighs> Well, my cousin called me right before, and I was like, <laughs> On what are you what? doing? He was like, I, I, I heard Baltimore took you. Did they? And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Um, so I didn't have his number stored, and I was like, click, hung up. Uh, so it was a little bit like, <gasps> oh. But uh, then I got a call from the Lions, and I think everybody was happy except for my parents because they're like, wait, you're going to the Lions. So... Uh, you know, I, I but was you went to Michigan to get, State. You're yeah, no, closer. No, no. exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So they let's... could foreshadow some, th- some things that happened <laughs> right. early in your career. <laughs> Rookies are arriving on Thursday. What was it like for your rookie minicamp? Oh, my gosh. It was like uh, drinking through a fire hose. Is that, is that the, the saying? Uh, for me, I had to go to Mike Martz's offense, and I remember getting the very first day uh, of the install, and I was like, this is the whole mini camp. He's like, no, this is the first day. And I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, there there had to be 80 pass plays in there and everything. And it was like this verbiage that was like the longest thing ever. And he was known for messing with quarterbacks or doing stuff like it. And he, it was very beneficial for me to go through that because it made me want to be like, I had to go get it. It wasn't like it was going to be given to me and he would purposely like whisper the play and I wouldn't be able to hear it or stuff like this. Like, I mean, it was, it was maniacal in a sense, but it also made me hone into what I was doing because there was so much volume. And when I had learned that, as opposed to some of these other guys that I talked to for rookie minicamp, like, Oh, that was a breeze. And I was like, I barely survived rookie minicamp. <laughs> like he changed everything about the way I gripped the football, the way I dropped. I mean, it was like an old school, like back out, like, 
you know, like Randall Cunningham style. It was such a different offense than I was accustomed to, and it was brutal for me. I got done with, after three days of rookie minicamp, and I was like, this is the NFL. And then everything slowed down, right? We went, we jumped into voluntary minicamps or, um, you know, OTAs and all of it, and I was learning just as we were going. Uh, but got every single rep of rookie minicamp. And that wasn't like a, a watered-down version. That's when they brought in everybody for tryouts and did everything, and it was full-on, full-go, like full football, and it was overwhelming, to say the least. When did you feel comfortable? Going into camp or in your first year? Never. <laughs> To this day? <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I never felt comfortable because I knew what was at stake. So my rookie year, I got put on IR two days into uh, camp with, like, I got my knee scoped. I twisted my knee um, and came back, and they're like, well, you know, we're going to put you on IR. And I was like, what's IR? And they're like, well, you know, it's injury reserve. You're done for the year. And I was like, you told me it was a, a two-week injury. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm in a business now. And so I learned very quickly. I was like, it was great. I got to learn and be – I traveled with the team, did everything, learned from John Kitna, um, Dan Orlovsky, and was able to be around the culture and everything. But it was very hard, um, to say the least. But, you know, I went through those growing pains, and it made me better. Uh, like I said, it made me want it that much more and appreciate it that much more each and every year that I was able to play. It starts Friday. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, rookie minicamp, eight draft picks, no first-round selection, so Marquise Brown will not be here this weekend. But the star of this draft class is the second-round selection, the tight end, Trey McBride, someone the Cardinals, if you watched flight plan, know that general manager Steve Kahn and head coach Cliff Kingsbury did not believe that McBride was going to be available at pick number 55. So he comes in as the star attraction, if you will, this weekend, MJ. And now all of a sudden there might be a little bit more on his table for the fact that, yeah, you have Zach Ertz, but behind him, who do you have? Max Williams. Is he going to be available? Kingsbury during draft weekend said it's going to be a process, called it an initial surgery, which lends many to believe that there was more than one surgery for Max Williams after he got hurt against the San Francisco 49ers. So McBride, yeah, you got to make your mark on special teams, but he might see a pretty significant role on uh, on the offense early. Well, I mean, I think you can use it a couple of different ways. I would use him like an H-back where he can block off the edge. Um, clearly, if you go 12 personnel, um, he he's an above uh, a blocker and he's he's got soft hands. Uh, he catches the ball in traffic. Um, he had a thousand yards, at, you know, in college as a tight end. He was the best tight end in the draft. He's got the size. He's going to learn from Zach Ertz. And Steve Hyden obviously you know looks at his room and they want to get better in that room and we'll see what happens with Max Williams. But yeah, Steve made it very clear you're going to have to play on special teams. Now as he gets older, he probably won't have to do that. Six foot four, two hundred forty-six pounds, a unanimous first-team All-American. Here's the general manager Steve Keim on the new tight end. People ask, "What do you like about him?" I don't. What's there not to like about him? You know, special human, special player, rare stats. Obviously, over a thousand yards receiver as a tight end, ninety-some catches. Uh, the guy can do it all. He can play in line. He can flex. He can motion. He can play out of the backfield. He's got tremendous hands. Great catching radius. Uh, really strong in the crowd. Characters off the charts. Three-time captain. Phenomenal leader. And um, just thankful he was there. We have seen Kingsbury evolve this offense, Drew, to utilize not just one tight end, but two tight ends. 21% of the snaps last season, according to sharpfootballstats.com. 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field. So if you have one in Zach Ertz, the question is who's number two, and Trey McBride could be that guy if he's able to 
learn the playbook, and get up to speed by week one. Yeah, well, I think having Steve Hyden, uh, as you guys talked about, knowing Steve uh, and being on the staff with him, he, he's going to get this kid up to speed because you don't invest the second round pick in somebody and watch him play uh, or not have him play and have that draft capital on the field. So in saying that, too, you gain an advantage of what personnel defensively are you going to see at that point. And I think when when the Arizona Cardinals got in trouble last year, they couldn't establish the run. And the easiest way to establish the run is to get better blockers out there. The spread offense, it's really hard because these linebackers and, and different dimebackers and all these guys, they can they can move around. They're so shifty laterally that you got to be able to get in a phone booth and run downhill at you. And the easiest way to do that is get more tight ends in the game. And a guy like this that has the ability to also win in the pass game is huge. I mean, he was the number one ranked tight end, but yet we got him at 55, which is great. You pair him with a quality Pro Bowl veteran that knows how to work, that knows how to do all these things in Zach Ertz, and you bring him along the right way. And hopefully Max Williams can play, and that would be another added dimension. Get three tight ends in the field and have fun with it. So there's a lot of ways that you want to keep versatility and tight ends, especially guys that are the complete package, allow that and afford that much more than getting four wide receivers on the field. Well, in numbers you mentioned, that was Darrell Daniels and Demetrius Harris. So they still went with it, and both of those guys are no longer on the roster. So the fact that he was still willing to run that, and I think it was because of the addition of Zach Ertz, where they wanted to protect the edges, obviously try to give Kyler more time. But uh, you look at us from a whole um, – you know, if they get all three healthy tight ends, I asked Kingsbury about playing 13 personnel, and he said no. Yeah, I mean, you might as well say no right now. Who knows? I mean, but I'm saying if you're on the goal line, you, yeah. you got James Conner, you got you know some receivers. Obviously, you can win one on one. Yeah, matches. you can switch it all up for sure, but. But he's got options. Yeah, and there's no fullback, right? So maybe one of these guys has the ability to do that. And it was interesting that Steve said with that tease again is, hey, you can move him in the backfield. And you get a tight end in the backfield, you can do a lot of things. You can keep him in protection to add another layer to that. You can slide protection and put him off the edge. There's a lot of cat and mouse games that you can play with tight ends because they have the versatility of some of these other guys that you might not expect to be able to do that or show your hand as easily. Um so we'll see. On the other side of the ball, curious to see what Cameron Thomas, my Jay Sanders are able to do and retain as far as the information that coaches give them because there is certainly a need at outside linebacker, just a need to get after a quarterback. And Thomas and Sanders, the two third-round selections, Thomas number 87, Sanders number 100. He was the acquisition as part of that Marquise Brown trade pick number 100 as the Ravens dealing Marquise Brown and a third round pick to the Arizona Cardinals. Speaking of this 2022 NFL draft class, episode 29 of the Day Patch podcast featuring Cardinals VP of player personnel Quentin Harris is available now. Much more information on these eight picks to catch up on past episodes. Follow the Day Patch podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest eight updates via Twitter at PashPod. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Look for a shot into the end zone here. Johnson and Lee to the left, Bolden and Fitzgerald to the right. I'm Badejo back to help protect Josh McCown. Third and one of the 17, McCown back to throw, going to lock. Into the end zone, far side, Fitzgerald goes up, touchdown! Arizona! Larry Fitzgerald with his second of the year! I wonder if Dave Pash plans to roll the R with someone this year. 
That was all the way back in 2005 when the Cardinals played the 49ers in Mexico City. Fast forward, 2022, Cardinals and 49ers once again in Mexico City. It will be Monday Night Football. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on the call. November 21st is the date, so we know one of the 17 games the Cardinals will play in 2022. Of course, we know all of them. We just don't know the order, and that will come on Thursday. Now, we will know, MJ, another game prior to 5 p.m. Arizona time on Thursday. At 3 p.m., all teams are able to announce their first home opponents, whether that's week one, week two, week three, or whatever. So there will be two games that the Cardinals know prior to 5 p.m. This is what the NFL does. They just keep teasing us, teasing us. I'm just going to wait for 5 o'clock. Obviously, curious to see if the Cardinals open up at home or on the road. What's the first six games look like without hop? But at 5 o'clock or 4.59, every club will hit that send button, and I'll wait for that. When you look – or did you even bother? I mean, do players look at the schedule, or is it just, hey, it's training camp, and then tell me who we play week one. No, as fast as I could, especially when we were here. I was like, do we have any gold games? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you. what you look at, right, first of all, is primetime games, when you're going to be able to play primetime, who it's against, division opponents, and then December football. Because when you, depending on who you play in, de, in December, that matters, and how you're playing in December, that matters. So I think you look at that on top of, yes, you want to know when your first home game is and everything, and it rolls itself out, and there's much to do about all of this now as we're getting more into it. But those division games are so important, and those are vital, right, on top of the primetime, because the primetime games throws you out of your schedule. When's the Thursday night game? Do we have a Sunday night game? Are you on the road Sunday night? Because that stinks. Going on the road Sunday night, especially if it's East Coast, you got to fly back here. It throws your whole week for a loop on top of that. So you start to wrap your mind around what that looks like uh, to be able to be prepared and go out and put your best foot forward each and every week. Sometimes it's, a, you know, do we have three away games? Are we, how many home games do we have, like, in a row? All that stretch because you can kind of break it up into four different parts, right, four different quarters. Obviously, I know adding the second game throws a wrench in that, but uh, consider it what you will. You still kind of look at those um, and you identify, okay, this is where we need to be or what we want to do. So it just helps you to have a better idea going into the season, um, knowing that you know training camp's a little bit different now than it was way back when, um, and everything's a build-up and a preparation. And the the preseason schedule hasn't even gotten released yet no. either. They used to do that way before, but now they're just teasing us all along. Supposedly, at least if you believe Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, the Cardinals will play Tennessee in the third preseason game because there's going to be joint practices. He announced that during the annual league meeting. Cardinals haven't confirmed it as yet, but that's something that's still on the schedule as well. It's fascinating you bring up cold weather because I always thought it was just Paul Calvisi that worried about cold weather games in December. (laughs) You look at this year – yeah, what's the weather going to be in Seattle? When do you play Seattle? When do you play the Panthers? And when do you play the Broncos in Denver? Yeah, none of those are real scary. I'm talking about like like Green Bay. Yeah, okay. If you had to go to Green Bay, especially a guy that was in that division for five years, going to Lambeau <laughs> in January or Chicago. Yeah, okay. Like the, that's those fair. Are, those are ones. Now Seattle, we finished the year many years in Seattle, and and that's fine. You can catch good days there. It's not too brutally cold. But you start going to like bitter cold, and you get off the plane, and it's freezing then that's a whole different mindset. All right. We sit here today, and the Cardinals got a really impressive home schedule. I mean, you're talking Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Jameis Winston, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, Matthew Stafford, 
it appears to be Trey Lance and then Drew Locke. But, you know, I like to see the Cardinals get one of those primetime afternoon games on a Sunday, um, whether it's on Fox or CBS, because you got the Patrick Mahomes, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray situation, and then Justin Herbert's obviously a high draft pick, and then Brady, not Arians coming in, but Todd Bowles. So I hope we, they get one of those afternoon games besides a primetime game. I think they're going to get a lot. I mean, this is an exciting team that had a lot going for it before you know the the end of last season. And I think you look at those quarter match quarterback matchups that makes it more sexy. You look at you know the the quote unquote blood blood between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals, and every time it's been a very good matchup. So you know that plays into it. Uh, the quarterbacks that you mentioned played into it, and you could even throw you know a lot of other dynamics into it if you stagger it a little bit because of what it is and that's what they typically try to do right they try and cycle it through with with primetime games i mean i would not be surprised with knowing what this looks like of getting you know at least three to four primetime games well we know again at least one monday night football november 21st the atmosphere is going to be electric much like it was back in 2005 in fact let's kind of go back to 2005 quick tease courtesy cardinals folktales one time in mexico we have 103,467 on hand an nfl regular season record wow how about that for a number i wish everybody can feel what a hundred thousand people feel like on the field like you're on the field and a hundred thousand people are watching you it's just different man that's former cardinal safety robert griffith all the players knew the fans were going to be a factor el grande former pro bowl pass rusher bertrand berry it really was a different energy where the fans were going nuts the entire time whether something good happened for us or something bad happened for us I just remember the crowd just yelling no matter what. They just wanted to see us go out there and, and play. I just remember it being loud the entire game in a good way that people were so excited that there was an NFL game going on. In a general sense, they were just rooting for something big to happen every play. It, it felt like a big party. <laughs> it felt like a big party. The people there were just hungry to be a part of that first regular season game outside the U.S. 103,467 in 2005 came to Estadio Azteca to watch the Cardinals beat the 49ers 31-14. to I know, Drew, you played in the big house, over 100,000. How much of a factor can the crowd be when you have just so many looking down upon you? Yeah, I mean, I think that you, you do get locked in to a certain extent, but when the atmosphere, um, and, and like Dave Bash was saying, the the, the constant energy that's flowing throughout the stadium that's got to be different because it is very similar to a soccer match uh when you're on the field of the constant flow of energy so it'll be really exciting to see i think it's great for the sport to be able to go into different areas i know that the nfl is trying to find ways to expand but this is a really good step in the right direction in my opinion especially with these two teams down there and that type of an atmosphere it's going to be fun even for people watching at home i think will be tremendous we had a chance to talk to Rolando Cantu, and he said that the renovations, and they're expecting more people this time. Now, high altitudes, higher than Denver, Flagstaff. Rackers kicked six field goals in that game. Larry and Bolden had a touchdown. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, but it is going to be, uh, you know, on national TV and Monday night. So 
Um, and this game was supposed to be played in 2019, so it looks like they obviously have upgraded the facilities and the lo- they actually have locker rooms now. Where before it was kind of, you know, they're just making it work to obviously uh, go with NFL sanctions. The best notes from 2005 to now 2022 is Andy Lee. He played for the San Francisco 49ers in 2005. <laughs> that is f- now awesome. He's with the Arizona Cardinals and is, I think. I'm going to go out on a limb saying he will be the only one to play in two games in Mexico City 17 years apart. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe limb to go out on, especially with the 17-year <laughs> caveat you threw in there at the All end. Right. You just All can't right. get rid of Andy Lee. All right, so obviously you're going there to win the game. This is not, you know, each game is very important. Matt Prater, 70-yard field goal? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it also, right, like there's so many things that you can look at. The altitude, to your point, like how do you prepare to that? Do you go up to Flagstaff and practice and then fly out of there? Like there's a lot of ways, some strategy that's going to go into it. Then when we finally get the full release of the schedule, you'll know the game before and after. Where do, is there a buy in there close by? Like All of these things are going to play into how you approach that game. You try to win each and every week, but this is an outlier of a situation which is going to be really fun to see how they approach it. Again, November 21st, Cardinals and 49ers on Monday Night Football. The Cardinals, by the way, based off of opponents' 2021 win percentage, so last season's record. Cardinals will face the second toughest schedule behind the Los Angeles Rams. The rest of the division, 49ers have the fifth toughest schedule, tied with the Chiefs, and the Seahawks, the 11th toughest schedule. Well, obviously three teams made the uh, playoffs of the NFC West last year, and you're playing the AFC West now, and the Raiders made it, the Chiefs made it and we'll see about the Broncos this year. Schedule comes out on Thursday, and then, of course, season tickets available. Go to azcardinals.com slash season for more information. We will know the first home opponent, though, Thursday afternoon. The rest of the schedule comes out on Thursday night. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. When we come back, coaching promotions and additions to Kingsbury staff. That's all straight ahead here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Jackson on first down, wants to throw, going deep, looking for Hollywood Brown, end zone, touchdown, Hollywood Brown! Surprise, surprise, he is a guy that makes sense for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, two years of controlled costs, uh, getting a dynamic receiver who's played inside, outside, obviously the chemistry with our quarterback, and a guy who can be a dynamic vertical threat, which is something we were looking for, as well as... I had a very strong feeling that the board was going to fall the way it did, and I'm awfully glad that we made this trade. The Cardinals at pick number 23 were not going to find a player who could make an impact immediately like Marquise Brown can, and we all hope will, starting week one. General Manager Steve Keim, Ravens Radio on the play-by-play, and now Marquise Brown in Arizona Cardinals as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Siki. Get your seats in a seat. Craig Riolu, Drew Stanton, and Mike Jarecki as we teased at the top of the show. The Cardinals making some coaching moves on Kingsbury staff. 
five coaches promoted and a defensive line coach hired, Matt Burke, who has been in the building for a while, but finally formally introduced as the defensive line coach, reunites with Vance Joseph. They work together with the Dolphins and Bengals, so he does have some familiarity. But more importantly, Drew, he has some familiarity with you. Yeah, a lot of these guys do. They're good guys. Uh, no, Matt Burke, you know, uh, was with me in Detroit. I think uh, he'll do a great job. He's he's a very very well studied guy. He's going to have those guys prepared to play up front. Um, very dynamic type of guy. Has some uh, defensive coordinator background that he unfortunately didn't have great success with, but very well studied from the uh, the Jim Schwartz tree. Him and Jim Schwartz are real good friends. So awesome guy. I think he's a great addition, especially when you can get somebody like that in the defensive line room. Dolphins defensive coordinator in 2017-2018, former Eagles defensive line coach in 2020. On the offensive side, some of the promotions, some key ones, Sean Jefferson promoted to associate head coach slash wide receivers coach, and Cam Turner and Spencer Whipple now co-passing game coordinators. Turner also coaches quarterbacks, and Whipple also works with the wide receivers as well. So no no offensive coordinator. You got Vance Joseph defensive coordinator, but no offensive coordinator, but you have run game coordinator Sean Kugler and now co-passing game coordinators. Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously Kyler has a great relationship with Cam Turner and these guys have earned the right uh, to get promotions and Spencer Whipple, we all go back to the Cleveland game even though Kingsbury put the game plan together, that was probably one of their better wins. Um, Mike Berkovici, you know, he, he came in as a low-level guy, and now he's going to a chance to, to coach the offense assistant. And Kenny Bell is the chief to the staff who's really close to Kingsbury. And Matt Burke, I've heard great things about him. Sometimes you need a new voice in there or nothing against Brinson Buckner. Um, but sometimes, you know, guys look at their different skill sets. So, you know, it's nice to see them get – a lot of these guys get promoted because they started at position coaches, and now they get a chance to – being more involved in the game plan throughout the course of the week. Whipple, just 33 years old, but certainly thrust into the spotlight last season, week six at Cleveland, and that was one of those games that weren't quite sure what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, here he comes, play caller, and that was maybe one of the more dominating wins last season, beating the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland. It was. Well, I think you look at these titles, right, and what that means is a, a little bit of bump and pay raise, right? It means this and that. And, the, and everybody's always looking to get better in this league, so they're looking to take coaches off of different staffs. You want to try and keep this nucleus in place here. This is a good, young group of coaches that want to stay here, but you also need to incentivize that, right? You don't want guys leaving and making lateral moves or doing anything like this. So the more that you can kind of continue to bring guys along and reward them for the success they've had and make sure they're happy, I think that's great. And you have to be conscious of that in today's coaching world because the money is getting lucrative, and you want to be able to do that. But when the time comes of saying, look, we've helped you progress throughout the course of your career, we've done this, we want to get, at least give us an opportunity to be a part of that. So somebody that is 33 years old that's been thrown into the fire and responded well, that shows a lot because you want to keep him in the building, whatever that looks like. Because I'm sure colleges come knocking, different NFL teams will come knocking, all that stuff comes, but you're not going to jump at an opportunity because you have security here. And that means a lot, especially with Cliff getting extended and making sure he's taking care of everybody underneath him and also elevating guys that deserve it. I mean, that's a great opportunity for many of these guys and these different tags that we slap on them. But, uh, you know, to your point, 
it's warranted, it's needed, and it's, it's something that I think is great for this organization. And with Jefferson going into his second season with the Cardinals, again, no DeAndre Hopkins, but he does have Marquise Brown in that wide receiver's room. And we heard from Jefferson earlier in the offseason. In fact, fa- go back to February, Big Red Rage, Jefferson talking about Rondell Moore and what he sees out of another second-year player in his room. That's one of the things that me and Rondell have discussed about growing his route tree, being able to put him outside a little bit more where he can run some of those routes. His route tree will grow leaps and bounds uh, this year. So, And again, we've talked about how important the offseason is going to be, the offseason workouts and OTA is going to be. That's when the growth comes. That's when you're going to take the steps uh, and learn how to run those routes. He's a phenomenal route runner already, but just learning the little nuances of playing on the outside. We always hear about the head coach. We always hear about the coordinator. It's the position coaches, though, Drew, that sometimes spend the most time with these individual players and see them on a daily basis and really work to elevate their individual games. No doubt, and I think it has to be a unified vision. These position coaches are carrying out what the offensive coordinator wants, what the head coach wants, what the quarterback wants. It's all about communication and being on the same page, and I think having somebody like Sean Jefferson you know, with as much NFL experience as that he has not only as a coach but as a player and played at an extremely high level. You know, one of these guys that has a great reputation in this league. He's going to have a planned out process for each and every guy in that room. Whether or not you know now knowing that DeAndre is going to be out for six games, you know this is what Antoine Wesley's role is going to be. This is what Rondell needs to do. He's giving each guy the opportunity to do that, and you marry that up with the strength and conditioning program that I've raved about here forever because of Buddy Morris. And again, bigger, faster, stronger, and more intelligent play style is what you're looking for out of that wide receiver room. And Jefferson not only can coach it, but he can go back to his own playing days. 13 years wide receiver in the National Football League, and that carries a lot of weight when you're asking guys to do what you did once upon a time. So congratulations to everyone again. Five assistants promoted and Matt Burke added new defensive line coach. Special thanks to those behind the scenes as we wrap up this week's edition of the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your seats in a seat. Our senior broadcast manager and producer, Jim Omohundro, technical director, Cody Fincher. A reminder, schedule release comes out on Thursday, and we'll break it down one week from today. For Drew Stanton and Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. Oh.